unmanned aerial vehicles, commonly known as UAVs or drones, have been used by the military and hobbyists for over a decade. But recent advances in wireless network speeds and latency like LTE, 5G, and low-level satellites have triggered new use cases in just about every industry on Earth, and even most recently, in the exploration of Mars. In this episode, we highlight how drones utilizing high-speed connections are impacting everything from telecommunications, law enforcement, to food and package delivery. Max, let's talk about drones. We've all seen and heard of drones for a while now, even got our boys some remote-controlled drones for the holidays, even though I think that they might have just been for you. (laughs) They were for me. So what's the difference between those drones and the commercial drones that we see and hear about today? Well, the difference is that unlike those which are really hobby drones or remote-controlled drones, commercial drones are really connected computer vision uh, flying utility engines is the way I look Mm -hmm. at it. Uh, They're always collecting data. They're always transmitting data over high-speed networks. They're using AI or artificial intelligence to do their jobs better. Uh, And they have really advanced systems on them. They're they're actually very sophisticated flying machines. They have things like object avoidance for uh, not crashing into stuff. That's good. When they're flying outside or even indoors. They actually, some drones are actually used. Do not let them bring those indoors. (laughs) They're not. So they're used indoors for applications which which are important to us, like checking infrastructure on tunnels or pipelines and stuff like that. So uh, very cool to have that. And then, of course, they also have uh, things like thermal imaging, which has actually been used in search and rescue to locate people, for example. And and lastly, they have autonomous functionality built in. So, would, you know, they essentially can fly themselves, which is pretty sophisticated when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, when I first met you, I remember you were learning how to fly planes. That's right. And there is a rumor going around our house that I am the reason you stopped flying planes, which I don't know if that's necessarily true. We'll address that at another time. <laughs> how is that different How is flying a plane different than flying a drone? And do you need a pilot's license or is there a flying drone license? Well, it's it's actually a very good question, a very common one. So first of all, to answer your first question, (laughs) I didn't stop flying because of you. Thank you so much. This was just documented. I I really just stopped flying so I could spend more time with you because we started dating and I was kind of like, you know, what, what am I going to spend my time on? And, and I'd much rather spend it with you. You know what? That is like the ultimate guilt trip right there. <laughs> really. I just was avoiding like any, like, God forbid, JFK tragedy in the future. Yeah, it was. But it is cool. Maybe you should get back to it. No, I, I think I think I'm over it at this point. I'd, I'd rather drones. fly drones. Yeah, I'd rather fly the drones. So the big difference is, unlike a pilot's license, uh, in order to fly a drone, and you do have to be a drone pilot, uh, the FAA has certain exams or rules that you have to you have to take, study for, and take. They actually call it uh, Part One Hundred Seven is the FAA exam. Is there an age limit to you know like just like you need to be seventeen to get your driver's license? Yeah, is actually, there an age for so that? actually for pilots it's sixteen. It believe is? it or not, you can fly a plane, a single engine plane. Don't tell our sons. Yeah, sooner than or you can daughter. that you can drive in where we live. I don't know about some parts of the U.S., but certainly in the East Coast where we live. Uh, yeah, so you could fly a plane before you could drive a car, uh, wow. but but it is a very extensive process of many hours of instructed flight time and certain 
uh, pillars you have to go through in order to get your pilot's license. The FAA Part 107 exam for uh, drones is a, is a little bit of a shorter uh, life lifespan or or time frame. It's it's only about 30 days or 45 days from beginning to end to take a written exam. So not a lot. Not a and lot. And is this enforced? Like I wonder. I mean, there are definitely people that are not going to do the proper process. So I wonder who is even going to enforce those rules. So I think the FAA, once they have a rule, actually do a really good job at enforcing it. That's why we have very safe skies for the most part. Interestingly, actually a company in my industry in technology and telecommunication, Verizon, actually purchased a drone software company Mm. back in 2017 that does exactly that. They actually help you if you want to become a drone pilot and you want to be able to fly drones for commercial purposes, uh, do everything that's required because flying is more than just taking a test. You have to know like what altitude you could fly at. You have to know what the right. weather is, you know, flight plans, restricted airspace, all that. I mean, personally, I think they did it to uh, enable their army of what will be flying <laughs> cell towers in uh. the form of drones. <laughs> but, you know, that's just me talking. That's really just just my opinion. A new word we're hearing these days is geofencing. Geofencing, S-A-T word. <laughs> Use it in a sentence. That's what we always tell our kids. Yes. <laughs> geofencing is a virtual fence. It's also just known as a perimeter, which centers around a physical location. So when an object is, in this case, a drone, enters or exits the perimeter, something happens that activates technology. Like, for example, when someone walks into our yard and triggers the motion detecting light and sends a notification to our ring system. So a major benefit of geofencing is its versatility. It can actually be used with any technology, Wi-Fi, GPS, cellular data, uh, Bluetooth beacons. It's all part of creating this concept of a geofence. And the real benefit is that you're only triggering an event when someone enters or leaves Mm -hmm. that physical or virtual, in this case, geofence. Doesn't geofencing also give better battery efficiency compared to standard GPS technology? I was always under the understanding that geofencing actually uses GPS. So how is that better battery efficiency and how how does that all work? Because it's like a virtual fence defined on a map. Think of it that way. So instead of always pinging a device to say, where are you, which is GPS technology, we're waiting for the device to enter the geofence, that area, and uh, then trigger the event. So we're only using the battery Battery and using the processing power because we know, like you said, the camera's in our backyard. It's only when someone enters that perimeter, all these little, you know, bells and whistles go off and say, oh no, there's someone in the backyard. Turn the camera on, turn the light on, all those event driven. And that's really what geofencing is. We actually use it today, even prior to drones, we use it on mobile devices. Uh, when we deploy to uh, commercial uh, entities, even hospitals. For example, if a caregiver has an iPad with patient data on it, but the hospital doesn't want that iPad with patient data to leave the facility, we geofence the hospital so that when someone takes the iPad outside of the hospital and they're in the parking lot, it automatically removes access to all patient data. So that's one kind of normal use we do today using over-the-top applications like MDM or mobile device management in order to use geofence to create rules and enact rules. And that's why it doesn't draw down on the battery unless it's that event happens. So it's all event-driven. Wow. 
The other thing to consider is that a commercial drone only has about 30 to 45 minutes of flight time as part of its battery reserve. And when I think about it, when I used to fly, that doesn't even take into account the FAA-required pre-flight inspection before every takeoff and post-flight inspection after every landing. When you think about that, along with the new FAA rules for tag IDs or remote IDs to be able to identify drones in uh, the aviation or the national aviation system, that's really going to draw down on the battery. And and now how are you really going to have that 20 minute, hey, I want something delivered to my house, if that's the capability? I mean, isn't battery charge the issue that drone delivery is still talk? It's just not happening at this point. Although Amazon has delivered its first package in 2016 and just recently received new FAA guidelines for delivery. There's still an issue of how to keep the drone charged for longer range and continuous flight to complete the task. What's being looked into now is in-flight charging stations, charging the drones while they're actually hovering in the sky so they don't have to land and get those post-flight inspections. Yeah, we're definitely going to need infrastructure for that when you think about the concept of charging drones, because to do that mid-air you're basically yeah. going to have a drone hover anywhere, or experts say anywhere between six to nine feet above the charging point. It's like wireless charging for the drone. And it's actually kind of cool when I think about it, because you're going around the requirement for pre and post flight inspections, because you're not landing. Right. You're just staying in flight and charging midair. And you've got all that high speed data over 5G or low level satellites that are actually telling you if the aircraft is capable of continued flight after the charge. So you know it's a safe uh, process and a safe aircraft to continue its mission. So that would actually be a game changer. Yeah. We've all read how Amazon and Walmart are both looking to incorporate drones into how they get goods and services to our house. But there's obviously limitations like distance from the warehouse to our house or to someone's apartment. And of course, the weight of the package. We can't carry refrigerators just yet. We you can't get that, that flat screen TV delivered uh, by the weekend. I don't know. It might come a little cracked. I think they're like considering like Q-tips and some like small medication at this point. Or yeah, meds, food, maybe. Well, Walmart is getting into the game. And unlike Amazon, it's said that 90% of Americans are thought to live within 10 to 15 miles of a Walmart, which is pretty incredible if you could think about that. And then Amazon uses distribution centers, but only has about 110 active fulfillment centers here in the United States and 185 globally, whereas Walmart has almost 5,000 stores in the United States and over 11,000 throughout the world and can use their own stores as warehouses. That is pretty cool. I wonder if buildings will, how they all agree to incorporate this. The components are a charging station for drones, you know, even though they're light and possibly the size of a small tree. Do you think in the next 10 years, our city skyline will perhaps be changed again? No more old wire antennas, but more drone charging stations on tree-lined rooftops? (laughs) Yeah, I think they definitely will change. It's kind of like when we introduced cellular antennas to infrastructure within a major city. And every landlord was putting cell towers or cell repeaters on their roof and collecting rent for it. I don't see why they wouldn't do the same with drone charging stations or or drone ports, you know, just delivering stuff. 
It would be like another amenity. Wow, do you right. live in the building with the drone, Are you drone, the drone charging station <laughs> on your rooftop? Oh my God. <laughs> How will 5G and satellites play into all of this, Max? So I think when we talk about something that's going to be continuously airborne, like we just said, if we can get them charging wirelessly midair, then everything is about communication. It's about the ability to get communication to and from the drone to, to essentially give it its program or give it its mission and then update it because it's like a task engine. It's always moving on to its next mission. So communication without communication or high speed, low latency communication, like 5G or low level satellites, it's not going to happen. Hmm. We recently watched NASA and JPL land their Perseverance rover on Mars, which was exciting. And I did see this one. I was excited. Was I was amazing. watching with the kids. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I was surprised to actually learn that the rover also had a small helicopter with it, which is kind of cool because if I'm going, you know, seven, eight months away to another planet, I'm probably taking a, a little drone with me. Uh, their little drones actually called Ingenuity, and it's designed to fly on Mars's thin atmosphere because it's so thin there's like no lift. And I wonder what NASA really plans to gain by having a drone on Mars. When I think about it, the advantage of having a forward surveillance video and thermal video is, is something that probably could have been pretty useful to us around our honeymoon. Do you remember that trip we did in Maui, the road to Hana? Oh, you mean the road to hell? <laughs> yes, the road to hell. There's well, still, Max, still we a scar on, from that one. Yeah, well, we were on a dirt road in 100 degrees in a convertible, lost, and driving like five miles an hour. <laughs> and you were so mad at me because I wanted to rent the convertible. I would have been nice to know we were never going to see waterfalls and instead lose like pound of sweat. <laughs> I and think, everyone was like, you got to go to the road to Hana. Oh my God, it's magical. It's, <laughs> it's not magical. magical. And let me tell you something. I think that was the last time we had any type of adventure ever on a vacation. Like for real. I think we've never left the beach after that. No, ever. that was it. And it's going to be 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> and we still, it still burns a little. Like legit, like. Burns. We needed that damn drone. What are some of the industries you work with, which you've seen an adaption of drones used to provide a better and safer result? Well, drones are really being used across all the industries I work with today, uh, including telecommunication, the industry I'm in. We actually use drones to check cell towers, especially in areas uh, post-hurricane, for example, where the area is flooded. We want to make sure communication is up and running. Uh, drones are definitely used in search and rescue. We talked about thermal imaging before and a quick way to, to find people where the naked eye can't really find them. And I see them used a lot in anything to do with energy. So electric, like checking on power grids, as well as pipeline for any kind of oil distribution or any other kind of energy. Drones are just a much safer, most effective and, and faster way to inspect a large area or a large facility very, very quickly in a much safer way. And of course, it's been used in defense for over a decade now, as well as in private security. It's said that 95 countries around the world already possess some form of military drone technology, many used and designed for surveillance or offensive missions. Wouldn't it be crazy if drones took over complete surveillance at large events instead of security snipers or hovering helicopters? <laughs> oh, snipers. 
Do you remember that trip we did to Colombia? That just reminded me of that. Oh my God. You know, I feel like most people have no idea. We've (laughs) never actually shared that story with a lot of people, but talking about Colombia, I have to say we were in Cartagena, which is one, uh, one of the most incredible experiences ever. The people, the culture, I will forever remember we walked into that walled city and I felt like we were in a real fairy tale and I turned and I looked around our lobby and it was this old converted was what was it like a, it was monastery. a monastery yeah and a huge toucan walked oh by. yeah I remember right and I remember being like there were mach- men with machine guns and there was like so much going on but no one acknowledged this toucan yeah Just, it was like it was beautiful too and I remember like I'm not a sheltered girl and I really Certainly have never seen a toucan except for the box of Fruit Loops in our kitchen. No, no toucans in Central no. Park. And I remember no one cared. It was like a pigeon on a New York City street. Yeah, yeah. Every everybody was like, "Why are you staring at the toucan?" I, I was thought, like, thought in, "You were checking in." I was in awe <laughs> and I was scared. But we were at this wedding and it was magical and it was everything you could imagine. There was hot tropical air in the open night. Beautiful people, the lights, the music, the drinks were flowing, and I was dancing and having this amazing night. And I ever so slightly would notice there was sounds. There was like helicopters, and I felt like there was just people moving around somehow. I just felt... Did. Oh yeah, there were snipers like on every every part of the wall. There were helicopters I mean, I, forming I a perimeter. But I was enjoying the company. I remember I was on the dance floor, which included this like a sweet man and his daughter, and we were all dancing. And I started <laughs> noticing people were watching, but I felt like maybe it's like exotic ambiance. Oh no, they were watching. And then I just <laughs> I remember I turned to you, and I I don't remember I, I can't recall exactly what I said. But I think it was something about the people and that they were kind of looking and you in your ever so casual way, you turned to me and I will always remember you said, Erica, everyone is watching because you were dancing with their president. That's right. And I was like, what? And at that (laughs) moment, I realized I was dancing with the previous president of Colombia President Andreas Pastrana. That's right. And and his daughter. And his daughter. And he was he was good. He, he could was, uh, we, shake. We were leg. getting down. That was a but, fun night. Funny enough, our son just told me he was working on a project in Spanish class for Andres Pastrana. Oh, <laughs> I haven't told him yet that his mom was dancing with him oh my God. in Cartagena. I know. I have to show him. And we and the pictures. Oh we yeah, have we got a great picture of that. Oh, good. It was like so surreal in the moment. And if you imagine, it was almost like dancing with George W., one of your yeah, favorites, is, during yeah. the Obama presidency, because right. Pastrana's father had also been the president of Colombia. Right. But how surreal. I will never forget that experience. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't it have been nicer, though, if we would have had, instead of helicopters hovering overhead, drones? Or, or even sniper-enabled drones. That would be pretty cool. Right. And I would never have noticed. And I would have just danced the night away and had the most amazing time with amazing people. Yeah, he was, he was, a, he was a really nice guy. Just like George W. when I met him. He's a pretty <laughs> nice guy, like too. Just like George W. <laughs> that reminds me, I have a fun fact. I know you love these fun facts. <laughs> I love facts. the fun facts. The U.S. Secret Service snipers are one of the most elite sniper teams in the world. And did you notice ever that they don't 
button their suit jackets and you know i love a suit and those <laughs> suits suit. are never buttoned and that That's is right. for the allowance of easy access to their guns those guys they, don't mess around yeah it's, i it's mean I thought that it's pretty amazing that no one's ever discussed them, them buttoning their jackets the unbuttoning i wonder if the british ones the ones that protect the <laughs> royal family button their jackets no one buttons the jackets what use do you think drones will be most noticeable by consumers? Well, I think of when we look up in the air most commonly, what do we see? And like in the summertime when we're laying on the beach, oh, it's yeah. the banner planes, right? Yeah. So think of a banner drone instead of a oh, banner plane, yeah. especially those planes when we see them on the beach and it looks like the plane's not going to make it because yeah. that banner is way too big <laughs> and too heavy and the wind's blowing. Oh. And I'm like, I hope that or guy you see those cute bail. proposals and you just hope that she's looking up at the sky Oh yeah. something didn't happen. And Her she friends like, are like, look up, look up. And she's like, not now. I'm, I'm in the middle of this TikTok. <laughs> I can't look up right now. Or Can two for imagine? one drinks. At two for one a drinks. Bar, if you could ever go to a bar. <laughs> yes, very true. So definitely banner planes. The other one is basically anything delivered to you by a drone. And I think you're going to start to see that more and more as companies build towards the new FAA rules. And uh, we're going to start to see that on a consistent basis. Think of Uber Eats, for example. Yeah. I'd love to see that delivery, you know, instead of the guy hustling from house to house. Yeah, right. You know, another thing that I actually have discovered recently, it's cool that they have an aerial sports league. Yeah, it's on TV. Like, it's a huge thing. Yeah. And these are venues that host drone combat and racing events. Some of these events have huge cash prizes. Did you know that in 2019, there was a $2 million prize? Only because our son told me about it, because <laughs> he said he wants to practice with his drone. It's also a way to encourage developers to build AI programs that can autonomously guide drones through those obstacle courses. So it actually has a wider use beyond just the racing. And he's excited, as he's told me, my 13-year-old has educated me on that the drones are using these geofencing and thermal sensors to create real-life gaming. They're really yeah. the most accurate gaming that has been developed in many, many years. Drones could eventually be a means of transportation, believe it or not. Uh, and if you think that's far-fetched, just keep in mind that the four major transportation companies are already investing in this. And by the four, I mean Uber, Airbus, Boeing, and Rolls-Royce. Wow. Okay. That brings us to my new game, <laughs> Finish This Movie Line. Oh, and if I like you that. live in our house, you hear these lines way too often. I'm probably the one so saying I them. I hope that you're going to get these. Are you so ready? Too. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, Max. When I say the line, you then repeat back to me the full quote. Okay. We're going to need. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> yes. <Jaws>. Yes. <laughs> okay, Max. Ready? Go ahead. Go ahead. Make my day. Yes. Houston. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> I feel the need. I feel the need, the need for speed. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, my dear. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Oh, you're doing so good. <laughs> I gave her my heart. I don't know. Oh, that, right? I think 80s. I gave her my heart. <laughs> Boombox over my head. I gave her my heart. I don't, I don't know that one. I gave her my heart and she gave me a pen. I Say don't know anything. That one. I mean, come on. I don't remember that. 
It's right. a girly film. It is no, it is not. <laughs> it's such a girly film. I mean, funny, funny how? Funny how? Funny like I'm a clown? Like, like I amuse you? <laughs> you love that one, yeah, Goodfellas. Roads. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. roads. Back to the future. Back to the future. Oh my God, are you ready? You're going to like this one. <laughs> this one is so you. You say this often. <laughs> Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> the Princess Bride. I remember that. The first rule of Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club. Don't talk about Fight Club. Yes, <laughs> yes. And that brings us to Drinks, Deal, Delete. This is where you tell me who you're going to have drinks with, who do you want to make a deal with, and who are you just going to delete. Number one, Robert Redford. Number two, Chuck Norris. You know he's 80, by the way. <laughs> Number three, Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL. Go. I think I'm going to make a deal with Roger Goodell because he's all about business. Yes. I think I want to have a drink with Chuck Norris. You know you just want one of his he's total gems. He <laughs> totally <laughs> want one of his total gems, but he's, he's got some stories, I bet. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. I like Robert, but... I'm going to have to let you go, buddy. Aw, later, Bob. All right, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to use my new iPhone to <laughs> call for an Uber drone, and I guess I'll just be waiting for you outside. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, that's a wrap. If you have any questions on what we've discussed or something you would like to hear more about, please email us at techieandtheblonde at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, and please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, 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 o